Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Charlotte from PleasureMechanics.com. On today's episode, we are sharing a conversation that I have with Marie Jenisek on her podcast, which is named This Thing Called Movement. Interestingly, the day before I recorded this intro, Marie's podcast was featured in the New York Times dance section in an article called Slowing Down to Feel, Moving Our Minds Around Our Bodies. This was a fun, heartful and joyful interview and conversation that we wanted to share with you, our Speaking of Sex listeners. We covered so much in this conversation. We talked about how I got into this work and why Chris and I started Pleasure Mechanics. We dive into the essential relationship between movement and sexuality. We talk about how ecstasy can be a renewable resource for each of us and how we can train our body to experience more pleasure and what my future Halloween costume will be. It was a great conversation to have and I hope that it'll be a useful and interesting conversation for you to listen to. As always, if you want to go deeper with us, The Pleasure Mechanics, please come over to pleasuremechanics.com slash free and sign up for our free erotic essentials course so we can offer you strategies and tools to support you in creating a more satisfying sex life on your own terms. And if you are ready for even more pleasure, please come join our PleasurePod membership community that has short, bite-sized pleasure practices so you can keep expanding your capacity for pleasure, joy, and connection. You can find all of that over at pleasuremechanics.com slash free. Here is my interview with Marie from this thing called Movement Podcast. I hope you find something valuable and useful in it for yourself. I'm Charlotte from PleasureMechanics.com, wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. Today, we are introducing a spicier subject on the podcast, sexual wellness. We spoke with somatic sex educator Charlotte Mia Rose, who is devoted to helping people find their path to a happier, healthier, and more pleasurable sexuality. She and her partner, Chris Maxwell Rose, are the co-creators of Pleasure Mechanics, an online course platform teaching the techniques of sexual pleasure, as well as the hosts of the Speaking of Sex podcast, which dives into erotic education. Today, we talk about how something as simple as touch is underestimated and neglected, yet critical to our well-being, how shame inhibits our sexual health and the steps we can take to dismantle its hold on us, and the power of pleasure in improving not just our sex lives, but also our overall health and happiness. We're honored to share Charlotte's seasoned expertise with you all. So without further ado, let's tune in. Thank you so much for coming on with us today, Charlotte Mia Rose. It's such a pleasure to have you, and I am really excited to dig into some of the details of your work today. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. I've been loving your work online, so I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to connect. Yeah, me me too. So let's dig right in. 
Tell us your story. What experiences led you to become a somatic sex educator? And how were you inspired to found both the Speaking of Sex podcast as well as Pleasure Mechanics? Amazing. Um, the big I, I know. <laughs> Summarize your life. Um, I was a massage therapist in my early 20s. And then I became an erotic masseuse mm. for like four or five years in my early 20s um, in San Francisco. And that was a fascinating experience to be with humans experiencing uh orgasm and ecstasy for eight hours a day um and (laughs) you really get to uh and it's just a really specific way to interact with humans um Mm. that is fascinating and gave me a lens into like what's really happening in people's sexuality Mm. and I love humans and I love to ask questions and so I'd always be like why are you here like what brings you here Mm. um and I heard this story over and over again from these middle-aged men who loved their wives and after their wives had kids, they are just t- were totally uninterested in sexual in sex at all. They were just too tired, and they were in these like twenty year touchless relationships. Mm. And I just I, I just heard the story so many times that I just kept thinking of the women. I'm like, maybe they're getting mani pedis. Like maybe they're that's like the extent of the like touch they may be giving themselves. And I just I feel like touch is so important and so needed. Um, in so many levels that I felt really like I wanted to do something to serve these people mm. um, and this 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 situation we have in our yeah. um, culture because we only really touch our partners in our culture. Mm. Um, and so I went and got graduate level sexology training. I got sexological training in sexological bodywork. Um, and in that I met Chris. And um, a few months later, we we noticed as we were in the world that people kept being like, you're both massage therapists. Oh my God, that must be amazing. And we just heard this over and over again. We're like, we need to teach people to touch each other because they could be having this experience. It is amazing to have a lover who's also in a massage therapist. Mm. Um, it's beautiful and gives us access to so much, so much. And so we were like, let's start a business and teach people how to touch each other um, with more skill and confidence Um, And so we started an online business in 2006 and that was how Pleasure Mechanics was born. It's like right when YouTube was starting, we were like, we should use online video. Um, (laughs) And then since then, like speaking of sex podcast has really been a place that we could share erotic education for free, um, you know, with people. Because I just feel like there's so much shame to undo. Mm. Uh, There's so many more pleasure pathways we want to help and support people in creating and just more erotic knowledge. Like we can all kind of have more information um so we can experience more pleasure so oh been... my goodness I'm just I like so many things my my brain is already exploding with all the things I want to talk about um right off the bat you know the the concept of touch and mm. how powerfully woven into like who we are as human beings it really is you know and we're almost oblivious to it like we're seeking it all the time. And then we're sort of also seeking that same like aphrodisiac quality from touch through other vehicles, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, you know, even I think the use of porn is in some ways like a way to feel that. Um, but people aren't even aware it is something as simple as touch that they're really seeking. And I mean, for me, this was wildly highlighted in um, quarantine this last year because you know I lived by myself and was single like now I'm living with my parents but um you know going those first four five six months without human touch I was just going crazy because I even had a subtle awareness just how important touch is to me I'm somebody who touches people when I care about them either on the arm I do like these really long like delicious hugs and just suddenly have that stripped away from me I could feel how that was um really challenging my mental health and well-being like psychologically it was having an effect and it made it a lot harder for me to feel motivated to feel joy to you know be able to weather that period with fluency and ease 
Totally. Absolutely. I mean, touch changes the chemistry in our body. It's like a way to biohack our (laughs) chemistry to like have us feel better. And you're totally right. Like children can't survive if they aren't touched, even if they have all their other needs taken care of. There have been some really sad natural disasters where kids have, have not been touched and they yeah, it's really disastrous. And so I think as adults, we also, it affects our mental health as well in ways that are often invisible and we name them in other ways, but it's possible that experiencing more touch can really shift our experience of, of ourselves, our environment, our life, our feeling state. Yeah. It's magical. It, it um, stimulates the same part of the brain as eating chocolate also. Yeah. Oxytocin, um, which, right? <laughs> which I just really love. I just feel like I want all people to know that. Um, you don't need to buy the $7 chocolate bar at the grocery store. Just rub it yourself. <laughs> or if you're going crazy, do both. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I am such a believer and we don't touch, you know, in other cultures, like people touch each other so much more men Mm. touch each other in affectionate ways. Men don't get touched in this culture, except for Mm. in like sports environments, maybe by their kids. And and so there's so much intensity on the sexual relationship, whereas Mm. it really ideally would be spread amongst community. If we had kind of more ideas of consent and clear boundaries and, and could actually all be in a bit more touch if you will yeah Yeah. it's so important I love that you have noticed that and I think a lot of people are seeing that highlighted right now um in quarantine totally yeah and like not even just like touch with other people but you know that period of time because I couldn't get it from other people where could I get it well touching myself and usually when we hear that phrase we're thinking masturbation but it doesn't even have to be that you know you can actually embrace yourself you can take your hands to your body intentionally and just like hold yourself yeah hold like and even doing that goes a long way you know and and this is something i i also think people don't tune into enough and aren't even that clearly aware of or or there's even like a negative connotation around that you mentioned shame you know being so layered into how we see sex and and I think it extends beyond just sex it even Mm. like goes into something like touch where men don't get enough touch or they don't feel free to communicate via touch and and then we as individuals shy away from touch even just with ourselves Totally. I am a huge believer in self-touch. I feel it is a central practice of mine. Yes, of the whole body. Yes, genitally, great. But also of the whole body. Like there's so much we can offer ourselves, so much nourishment, so much becoming aware of our body, feeling our feelings, like learning what feels good to our own bodies, um, finding ways of like calming our nervous system. Mm. You know, the, it just, I feel like the list goes on and on. It's like an incredible, I want to be like a PR firm just for like self-touch. I'm like, people, this is amazing. You know, like it is, it, it is, it is, it is magic. And like, I get there can be a whole range of that. That can look like percussive touch on your body mm. in a more like activating kind of way, or mm. it can be um, and the holds as you're talking about kind of like more nourishing touch and then or self massage with oil. And that can be really, you know, an hour long with the candlelight, or it can be like five minutes outside after the shower and mm. just like giving yourself a little bit more care, attention attention, love, presence, and just experiment with it, see it, what it what it does. My partner was, had, was really ill for a number of years and got out of hospital and was um, yeah, very sick, very ill. And I had a one and a half year old at that time and I was oh, taking care wow. of my sick mother. And it was a lot. So I gave my, I was like totally under-resourced and I was like, I, I gave myself a five minute massage challenge for a month to be like, I'm going to take five minutes just to focus on me and remind myself that I matter and my pleasure matters. And I found it so resourcing and it felt like it gave me more, more life, more energy to like be able to keep giving and keep taking care and nurturing other people in my life. Like Mm -hmm. it was really profound to me how that five minutes can make such a difference. Cause I think a lot of us like get, get tripped up on that time thing. I don't have time for that. It's like a central mantra that we all have right and yes (laughs) I'm totally part of that like I'm always trying to undo that but I think that again it's like a way of like biohacking our ideas about it of just being like okay if I give myself five minutes like maybe I can do that and 
just I think it's a great thing to experiment with to see how it changes things or see how it feels for people. Yeah, I mean, something that I always really loved about my dance experience, which I layer into almost all of my work is is that like tactile pressure touch experience in a number of ways you know the best like warm-up systems that we did for dance that not they didn't only warm up your body and your muscular tissue like the act of like the self-touch warm-up actually helped you be more responsive and receptive to the material you could pick it up quicker you could tune into the subtleties of your body and sort of find that innate creativity a lot more. And I remember just kind of being very shocked getting into the personal training industry in New York um, because they have very specific rules about like how, whether or not a trainer can touch a client in different states. And in New York in particular, like you're technically not allowed to touch somebody at all. No manipulation, like they recommend cueing, but you're supposed to use an object. And to me, I was like, how am I going to get like without, without like touch or without even really like without the education of training, even talking about touch outside of don't touch or do touch, right? Like how do we get people to be with their bodies? And that was probably the biggest problem I saw in the training industry is that most people were just moving their bodies, but they weren't actually in their bodies. And when I talk to people, whether it's men or women who are struggling to relax in sexual experiences, I find that there's a very direct correlation um, with if you're not that comfortable just tuning into your body and being with it in the simple things it's going to be even harder when you're with a partner and then you're trying to perform and then you're automatically getting in your head the whole time oh this is such a huge yes absolutely totally there's so many skills in there the skill of interoception of being able to like feel our feelings and the sensations in our body as they're happening it is an entire skill set to cultivate and it, an erotic interoception is a specific skill set that's like a subset of that because to be able to feel your desire rising to feel turn on and not to block it but to like then let it let it arise cultivate it uh, play with it and also having that split attention of like I'm paying attention to what I'm feeling in my own body and then I'm also paying attention to another person and what's happening in their body they're really advanced skills to play with and so yes, of having an embodied practice where you're learning and cultivating the experience of being in your body makes sense, but they are also separate skills. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are really deeply in their body in a certain way, but then the erotic uh, sensations are a whole different thing to be aware of um, with, uh, with other like pieces to undo and unravel if that makes sense oh yeah no this you know is what I mean? yeah i'm like i like want to learn more so yeah. let's actually get into it i'm probably gonna totally mutilate this word but you call it interoception <laughs> interoception is the eighth sense um where it is like through neural receptors inside the body we feel what we are we are able to process and feel what we're feeling in our body so every time we need to pee we get an internal sensation that you need to pee and so paying attention to that or like you know when you're hot when you're beginning to feel anxiety like what does that feel like feel excitement what does that feel like so there's like both the feeling state of the sensations but then also our emotions and feeling yes. our emotions yes um and those are different and it's so it's so much it's so much to pay attention to but little practices can make such a huge difference Wait, but your initial question, you had two parts to it. Oh, no, but we'll, we'll go yeah. back. I know <laughs> okay. where we're going, but continue. So you're saying there's there's actually two parts to this. It's it's yeah. bringing, uh, it's being able to forge the connection between the sensations you feel and the emotions they correlate to. And I'm really excited to talk about this because this is actually something I talk about. I just actually didn't know there was even this specific word. word to describe it. And that I love that you're mentioning how complex it is because, um, it is. It's a skill set that requires time and dedication to develop. And it's newly being discovered. It's mostly um, talked about in the world of autism because it's a sense that's interrupted and they haven't fully uh, 
explored that much outside of that realm we just have been learning about it in that realm and like mm. seeing the seeing the importance of it in mm. in our field in our bodies um and are geeking out on it chris my partner loves to geek out on it <laughs> um <laughs> we have whole podcasts on it um but yeah it's a skill set to develop and cultivate and we do that by paying attention in all the small ways and big ways in life and like you know when we need to pee do we let ourselves pee or do we say this is not a convenient moment to to go to the bathroom we need to stop like how many of us do that especially in office buildings and i know a lot of us are at home now so like can we just really try and listen to the sen- to the to the messages our bodies are sending us and honor them and then we can make choices about them but like giving ourselves space to hear them is a wonderful place to start that will totally inform your sex life because you're just like forging as you said those like neural pathways more you're like building that connection and listening to it and in relationship with our body more you were talking more about oh you were, the beginning you were talking about performing when we get into sex and that's i think where um sex and movement when we're not at, at its best it can become performance right and when we're like having a relationship of dominance of our brains over our bodies um where we want our bodies to act like a commodity where we have an input of exercise and it should lose weight with certain amounts you know anytime we're kind of in a dominating relationship over our body we're we're out of that relational space and uh it becomes about performance and then we're not getting to like experience the richness that is possible when we like try and put that down like try and put all that social conditioning down and like try and be in relationship with our body and what what we're what we're feeling what we're thinking what we're wanting what we're needing it's a different relationship i'm just even thinking like how you're talking about like the performance aspect and how often I hear people talking about sex through the lens of performance. Yeah. It's a real like, problem. They, 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 they associate yeah. those two words together and like already in some ways they're missing, they're completely on a different plane, uh, independent of what the thing is that they actually want. Like they're not going to get there from there. They have to switch gears into the relational part of it, the experiential part of it. So I'm like, actually, as we're talking about interoception, what practices do you facilitate or encourage Mm. people to engage with so that they can begin to develop this a little bit better? One of the one of the like central practices is uh, a body scan, but like including also the genitals and the breasts and all of the kind of genital anatomy that we often don't pay attention to Mm. um because we sort of live in a culture where we talk about it so much but then but then we don't like we're not with these parts of our bodies we're not so often people talk about having like kind of like a black hole in the genital region like in terms of our awareness and so like paying attention in that way like we have body scans that we can guide people through in our pleasure pod our community but also, and then if people feel comfortable, like putting their hands on their heart, on their on their genitals and breathing and just feeling, feeling our body and like putting awareness and presence and care and love and attention and linking these, like beginning to create the neural pathways between these parts of our bodies, um, our brain and our genitals is like such a lovely basic place to start. But many of us don't don't think to just like hold ourselves. You know, we were talking about holds and self-touch earlier. Like it's just a way to like, hopefully in a kind of unintimidating way, begin to connect with these parts of our bodies and then see what emerges. So that's like a really basic place. I feel like there's, there's so many, there's so many places, but that's like Obviously. A, a gentle, <laughs> yeah, like a really gentle place to start, which mm. I think is like, that's important. It's important to be unintimidating as like an entry point. Yeah. And I, I personally am always like really interested in like the simple interventions we can do. Um, because like with every single guest that comes on here, I'm just blown away by how much of our culture is enmeshed in complexity Mm. and, and it's really the complexity that deters us or intimidates us from starting at all. And the truth is like all the interventions that, 
have the most like oomph and the most power for us are actually really simple. It's a matter of getting out of our own way and allowing ourselves, you know, that that ease of simplicity and not judging ourselves for it as like, oh, it wasn't enough. And it's like, it's, it can be a place to start and you have successes because you, you actually do it because it's simple and then keep experimenting on top of that. You know, it's like the entry point. Um, yes, totally. I've seen such a clear connection between movement and sex in my life. You know, like the kind of movement practices I facilitated and cultivated had a tremendous mm. uh, effect on what I was experiencing in intimate settings with other people. Mm. You know, especially as I cultivated my intuitive movement practice, which is that space where I just like go and I move and I give no fucks what I look like and just like. Mm only do things that feel good and let myself be rabid and wild and free like that for me especially tied in with what I'm understanding now is like my entire life's work as a dancer like building my interception like as I as I developed that that ability to just like not care and let my body move like that for me flipped a switch where you know I'd always well, not always, but I, in general, I had like a positive progression in sexual experiences in my adulthood. But that moment was the moment where suddenly, like, I was not just like orgasming like three times with partners. I was orgasming like 20, 30 times or like 80, 90% of the time in orgasm. And I would talk to people about it and they were like, no, that's not real. That's not possible, <laughs> you know? So I, I would really love to hear from you, like your experience as a somatic sex educator and with all the programming you've developed, all the research you've done, like how you have seen movement correlate to these intimate experiences in sex and our and our ability to derive more pleasure and fun from them as well. I love that. And I just want to say that I totally relate to that. One of my central practice movement practices over the last 25 years has been dancing in my living room or my bedroom with just what feels good, right? Uh-huh. Like following that and like stretching and dancing and then adding self-massage on top of that. And that is how I prepare myself for sex. That is how I prepare myself for solo sex or partnered sex, because I feel like it creates such a better experience because I'm so deeply in my own body. I'm feeling my own body and I'm like bringing blood flow to my pelvis. We know that like erections in all Mm. bodies are blood flow. And so like any of these like hip circles, thrusts, infinity Mm -hmm. sign you know all of that is like bringing blood there and like getting your body primed and ready for an erotic experience and I love to think of it as like preparing for a game or preparing for a work of art that you're like creating and so you're like getting in the in the zone yeah um and I do feel like it means I'm like 90 percent there before I'm even like with my partner so then when I'm like Mm. having the sex you get to like get into that really fun altered state more quickly Mm -hmm. because you've sort of turned yourself on through the experience of moving pleasure through your body um and feeling the sensations and I I love it so much and I really want to support people in like taking baby steps into that I know that's so much of what the work that you're doing and like I love that like I didn't know that I was creating an, an intuitive movement practice um because I have like no training choreography drives me nuts it's just like my own thing like (laughs) but it's been my it's been so powerful it's been so powerful Mm. for me and and such a central and like most loved practice um for 25 years so um that's there and I think the other piece I just want to say about movement for sex is that one of the most important things I think is for people to complete stress cycles through movement if they can One of the other major ways that sex is killed for a lot of people is like having no desire, no libido. And often that is because of stress. And there's this wonderful book called Burnout by, have you read that, Amelia? Oh no, I've had like three people mention it to me this week. I'm like, okay, obviously I need to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sisters Amelia and um, Emily Nagoski. And they talk about stress cycles and how we are stressed all the time in our general life, whether that's like, 
doing taxes or whatever and then we don't like complete a stress cycle and they say the best and most scientifically proven um, way to handle that is like 20 minutes at least of movement in some way so like ideally whatever feels workable for you if that is a walk around the block at the end of the work day that like or a dance or anything that you like preferably um so that you're not forcing yourself to do it but to like move through the stress cycle will like physically allow your body to like reset and be available to relax because often we think that we need to like zoom straight from like life to like i just need to relax but like actually our body can't do that we need to release first and then relax and i think that's such an important thing for people to know for their own kind of chemistry but also for trying to connect with someone else for having sex so I really love people to know about stress cycles and how yes. to complete them because I think it can be game-changing for some people to to get that, that that these emotions and stress like physically live in the body and we have to shift them out before we can be at ease yeah well I mean like even the body keeps the score right by Bessel van der Kolk like that that book changed my life because I'd always had this um understanding like through my experience with injuries and even through trauma you know mm -hmm. that that every experience I had in some way lived not just in my mind but actually in my body in some ways less in my mind and more in my body uh -huh. you know that uh -huh. I could have gone through an injury and like done all the stuff to rehab it but because my body so viscerally like remembered like like what it felt like to be unsafe in this position then I would go and move and it would kind of like ah, like it just you know it, it remembers so much and I always like to think of the body as you know the memory bank of our lifetime like it is always renewing itself but it but it does remember things and especially we're not allowing that release to happen, which uh, for me, this was also a big thing being in the fitness world and even in wellness. Like there really isn't a lot of space for release. Um, mm. And the body is such a powerful place to release. And, and like you're saying, if you if you want to have like an orgasm or a release of pleasure, there has to have been a release of some of that other stuff that's built up. Because if it's not, it's blocking the path. You're not you're not going to be able to have that release unless you've released the other stuff that's clogging the pipes, so to speak. Totally. And like, yes, we can do that by watching TV, scrolling, having a glass of wine. Those things can be effective, but there are also other things that we can do to actively work with it if we want or at certain mm -hmm. moments. And mm -hmm. I think that's powerful for people to know. But in terms of specific movements, I feel like, so that's the kind of thing I, in my ideal world, people would move, or you can also clench all of your muscles. That's the other thing. If people oh, are different, differently yes. abled and differently abled and don't have access to like a lot of movement, apparently also clenching all of your muscles and like thinking of overcoming the stressor, the stressor can be really powerful as well. So that's something else if you're not able to run around or move in any other way right now, that can also be just as powerful apparently, which is great to know. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm like getting so excited okay. here about the it. things Go I yeah, use because, yeah. like, this is sort of like my jam. But you yeah. know, like, tension is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, I like to shake, so like, yes. I will just like, totally. you know, and it's a great way to really dispel like anxious energy too, and you don't really have to think about it, and like, um, it, it it's so quick, like easily dialed from like low intensity to higher depending on where you need to go. So. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% that these like interventions uh, to help complete the stress cycle, we have access on some level, but then there's so many other access points that, you know, in some ways can be even more effective and efficient and, and quick that we are not necessarily using all the time. Totally. And we, you know, we don't want to put any shoulds on anyone, like have your glass of wine, like, but just maybe if you want to experiment with these other things, other tools at other moments and see how it feels, right? Because it's, and different moments, we can use different ones, but it's just so great to know that there's a toolbox that we yeah. can play with. And um, experimentation is essential. And then we're all going to have slightly different needs and figuring out what works for us is part of the adventure. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, so let's get back into the specifics of movement before I like so excitedly interrupted you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a conversation. It's a um, 
I feel like I would, you know, we know we sit so much as a culture, right? And we know that a lot of sex happens in the brain, a lot happens in the body, a lot is happening in the pelvis. So I, I love to encourage people to move their, move their hips in ways that are outside of the plane of just sitting, whether that is experimenting and exploring with circles. And this is for all gendered folks. I feel like people sometimes think like, oh, that's just for women or uh, women identified folks. Like, we can all move our hips in circles and I encourage people to do that. Um, just to, just to feel that and to like get in a curious relationship with it of like, where is that feeling a little crunchy? Where does that feel good? Like if I speed it up, if I slow it down. And again, these are places we're just practicing interoception. We're practicing feeling what we're feeling in a really like simple and intimidating way, but circles, I feel like infinity symbols, uh, signs um, with our hips, uh, back to back and forth, side to side, you know, really just like moving our hips and like getting the neural pathways between the hips and the brain and like remembering we have hips and that they can move in these different ways, I think is like a great place to start. I also feel like spinal waves are so like really gentle standing or seated, whatever works best for you and your body. Um, but like starting with really gentle ones, ideally breathing in and out of the nose and with a longer exhale if we can, and then speeding that up. So then it's kind of moving into a faster and we're increasing our breath and doing pelvic tilts. So they're kind of, we're, we're practicing, we're training our body in, in the experience of thrusting and the experience of tilting our, our hips and our pelvis and breathing deeply. And like, we're just like experimenting and exploring that idea and that sensation in our body and like on our own privately where no one's looking and we're just feeling how that feels and getting comfortable with that and, and just exploring. I feel like those are like some of the like basic movements I would love to encourage people to try out. And then bonus would be like a psoas release kind of, um, lying on the floor with like a bolster behind their back or multiple pillows and just letting the psoas release and sometimes putting feet together so your kind of legs are in sort of a diamond shape or out straight, whatever feels more comfortable. Um, so many of us are so tight there and there's so much information that goes back and forth from the pelvis um, further up the body. And if that is constricted, we're not getting as much information as we can have. And so it's kind of, it often feels like an uneventful uh, release. <laughs> um, like people are like, this isn't that much happening, but I feel like it is, it is a subtle one, but uh, I, 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 I think it's, it can be a powerful one for people to experiment with over time. Yeah. So has has been like a muscle that I've had a long standing relationship with mm. <laughs> between my dance career and like even as a trainer, like it was always the muscle that was so tight. And for the listeners, yeah. it it's it's a really powerful muscle and it's a unique one um, because it's I, I think there's like seven hip flexors. I might be wrong with my anatomy here. <laughs> but it it connects into the lumbar spine so those like the five lowest vertebra of your spine it connects right into those sort of like underneath your organs from the front side of the spine it winds down through the pelvis and then connects right to the top of the inside of um, your thigh bone the femur and so it, it it's a real like, power muscle in like propulsion and motion and standing and sitting but when we sit we inadvertently shorten it and um when that when you are locking one of those big muscles down it's really hard to get all the other muscles to like move and, and all the other joints to move so when you're talking about like the spinal waves like this is a big one that i love teaching to people because i also find it's such a great way to teach people to be calm and to find ease within themselves and like when we're talking about sexual experiences a lot of times we're also just talking about how we move through life which is you know being able to be receptive being able to receive joy and pleasure and and be in the moment right rather than like thinking about things and stressing about things and so all these movements you talked about i'm like yes these are such powerful things um that i don't see enough of and i i personally have found them to be game changers in in my own practice and also in the practice in the practices i've taught to others no, oh, I love hearing that. 
Let's talk about validating. So <laughs> I feel like a great place to start for people, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And from your, that's always fun when people from slightly different uh, spheres find the same information, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, everyone. If you haven't yet heard, we have an Avolna On Demand app. It's a perfect tool designed to nourish both your mental and physical health for a strong body and steady mind. Inside, you'll gain access to all of our Evolna offerings, including movement microdoses, follow-along flows, and meditations to support your everyday needs. If you're interested, try us out for 30 days for just $1 by signing up to the link in our show notes. We'd love to have you join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh my goodness. So you'd mentioned shame mm. right off the bat. And we, du- we dug a little bit into, you know, how, how we, how certain parts of our society maybe inhibit our ability to attune into our bodies and then also like be able to receive things like touch and pleasure. I would love to talk a little bit more about um, shame and, and specifically through your experience, what are the major, what are the major blocks for most people, like the themes that create that shame and how can we go about disassembling them? Mm, just a light question. This uh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just do life's work in a couple sentences, please. <laughs> Um, well, I do think shame is like the biggest thing in the way between us and an exquisite orgasmic sex life for everyone, mm. right? It is, I think it is the biggest, not to crack, if you will. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> help it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that we just first of all need to have compassion for ourselves to really deeply understand that this is learned. This is not mm. ours. This is something that is passed down from generations to generations this is cultural, this is religious. And now this is capitalistic, you know, like Mm -hmm. people are, they're they're shaming us so that we buy more, right? Like from every angle, people are trying to shame us um, so that they can use our power, honestly, because it is clear that when we are fully have our own power and our own agency, we become agents of change and potentially we could create a different world that, that those in power perhaps don't want. And I really, really believe that because they people have throughout time really tried to squash sexual agency and power in women but also in men in all beings so i feel like it is it is okay okay i'm going off but no 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 it is it is incredibly it is an incredibly powerful force that when we are fully engaged with we can create a different Mm. world um it is a fuel and i think that when we are in a a deep relationship with our own sexuality. We become more relational. We become more interconnected. We are not afraid of being interconnected and we want to take care of each other because that feels pleasurable. It feels pleasurable to create a world where everyone can eat and everyone has healthcare and everyone is taken care of. That is pleasurable. And so I hope and desire that through us own activating our own pleasure, we can get to that point that we want to take care of each other. But to do that, we have to undo shame. And there is, there is, there's so, there's so much there. So first of all, let's be kind and compassionate with ourselves that it is not ours. It is something that is external that we have then internalized. And so the first step is to see that and to see where that shows up for you in your own life, I think, and to really look at it. That could look like, um, I don't deserve pleasure until I lose weight that's a really common one. I don't deserve to have somebody go down on me for a really long time because I feel like it's going to take too long. I feel embarrassed. I don't like the shape of size of my labia. My penis is too small. Like these, the way that shame shows up in your sex life is pervasive. And so like really identifying what your shame monsters look like personally, I think is helpful. And then decide if you agree with them because It is something that we, unless we unravel, unless we weed out, we will continue to be moved along in our life by those narratives. They will run us um, unless we unroot them. And that has to be a choice, but we can only do that if we see where it lives in us first. I just want to name a few other ways that shame shows up. Just often people feel like their own desires are not okay. 
And then fundamentally, I think most of us feel like we are not okay. We are not normal. We are not good enough. All of those ways that culture teaches us and reminds us that we are not enough or we are not normal. And I think that is the main question that people have again and again is like, am I normal? Am I okay? And it's such a private space, sex, that we we don't we don't often talk to other people about it. We don't unravel this with other people. And so people are kind of living alone, feeling like they're not okay or there's something wrong with them because of their desires, their body, their genital shape, size, um, what they want, what they long for. And I think it, it is really, it is really, it can really undo, it can undo so much in our life. And so letting ourselves be gentle and kind with ourselves, looking at our shame, choosing if we want to keep believing that, or if we want to try and create a different message in our own bodies. Like if somebody isn't, doesn't like the way their genitals look, can you, there are some great, beautiful art pieces where you can look at hundreds of genitals, like sculptures of genitals, like casting of genitals, look at them and be like, oh, am I normal? Or is it just that I've honestly never seen someone else's genitals? Because most straight women have never seen other, other labia. And so there's so much like, or unless they've seen porn and that is its own thing. But yeah, we, I feel like, you know, other actions you can take to try and alleviate any of your own shame. So understanding that penis size is a huge, there's a huge range and it's not actually for most people, what makes a great lover. There are so many other skill sets that make an incredible lover that have nothing to do with penis size, but that story is so strong and consumes so much energy and emotional space in people's uh, interior life and so much shame. And it's like, if we can undo that, there becomes so much more space for joy, for pleasure, for connection. Because each time we're feeling that shame when we're in relationship, when we're in sexual relationship with someone, we are shut down. We're not as available because we're focusing on ourselves and how we're not enough instead of being present to this other person and the pleasure that you could be co-creating. So it really isolates us and it takes us out of being in our own bodies and in ourselves and in relationships. So it has such a overarching effect that is awful and it's, it's everywhere. It's omnipresent. And so to unravel it, it is a daily lifelong practice. And I think for us just all to understand that and then to try and help each other out. Each time we talk about sex or we talk about some concerns, like we are pulling away some of the secrecy. Brene Brown I'm sure we all know Brene Brown, amazing researcher about shame, but she has this great quote that I can't get exactly right. But the basic idea is if you keep secrecy and you put shame in a Petri dish um, and you have secrecy and it, it, it will grow infinitely. But if you douse it with empathy, it can't survive. And that's so important for us to know. So having conversations about sex is essential. It's just like, or, or what's going on for us. We can, we can start to undo, undo some of that. Um, I'm like, like I'm just getting chills the whole time. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this, this information, it's, um, it's so powerful. You know, I'm thinking about it also in the context of, in some ways, sex highlights sort of the deeper talk, like that we engage with within ourselves. And, yeah. and like, I yeah. loved what you said about like being willing to sit with it, like mm-hmm. to, to watch that come up, you know, watch that self-hatred or even little self-loathing or disgust or fear come up and like sit with it and then this is the practice I've engaged with a lot whenever I feel like a negative emotion come right after a thought I've sort of adopted the belief that when I feel negative emotion it's because the greater part of who I am does not agree and it's just saying no honey so when I feel that like I'm like all right so like talk it through like do I really believe X, Y, and Z and like put it all out there? You know, do I really believe that because like I don't have big breasts that somebody is not going to be attracted to me or that makes me unappealing? Do I really believe that like if I let myself grow out my bush that like someone's going to be turned off in that moment? No, you know, like, so like as, as soon as you start to unpack that, it, it sort of allows it to dissipate and, and not hold 
as much power, right? But like, how often do we get that emotion and we just panic? And like you mentioned, secrecy, boom, close it Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. and then not allow it room to breathe. And so then it festers and then it starts to impact, yes, our sex life, but it's also like puppeting, like how we're engaging in career situations and professional situations with our family, with our friends, Totally. How we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our body, how we feel about our sexuality, our agency does influence everything because this eroticism is just this energy that is coursing through us that is a part of our life. It's life. Whether <laughs> it is, yeah, it is a life force that is is present, um, whether we want it to be or not. So we can either work with it or we can squish it. There's choice there, but it can be it can be powerful to play with. And I think that what I was going to say earlier was about um, helping each other out and like knowing Mm -hmm. that we all co-create culture day to day, like culture exists around us, but we are also in our networks creating culture and the language Mm -hmm. we use about people and other people's bodies is really important Mm -hmm. and matters. And like, we can become someone who is a shame buster, (laughs) like Ghostbusters sound, Um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I feel like that should be my future uh, Halloween costume, actually. Um, um sorry sorry i mean like um, this is a funny side i actually dressed as a ghostbuster for like six years as in a row as a child that's amazing (laughs) see it was coming through it was coming through thank you validation Holding space for each other. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like when we're having conversations, if somebody's like, oh, that skirt's too short. Like she looks like a whore. Somebody else is like, oh, that person has a car. He must be making up for a little dick. You know, these are things Mm -hmm. that people say. This Mm -hmm. is like, because this is what we've been taught in our culture. And it's like, what happens if we interrupt those? Let's not call each other asshole. Because that is like a beautiful part of our body. Like, why should we be insulting people? You know, like, it's just like all these ways, you're a dick, you're a cock. It's like, let's take these away from being insults. These are like holy parts of our body. Let us like honor that. And so like, just like shifting language, shifting how we insult people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What are some of your new insults to like help shift the dynamic here? (laughs) I don't know. I guess we've been trying not to, to be honest with you, not to be holier than now, but like just trying to like shift, like, is that the conversation I want to be in at all? Mm, Um, Like, I I appreciate that. Yeah. What else can we uplift or like, can we shift because you know, everyone's doing their best. I, I like to believe. And then, you Me know, too. how do we, so yeah, just, just seeing that you have power, um, both over the domain of your own mind, your own body, but also your community and your relationships. Mm. And like, how can we do that for good yeah. and like become a hub, um, where people know that, that you can be someone that you they can talk to about something they're having, like an, a question about sexuality mm. or like that you'll be like body inclusive and body positive mm. kind of no matter what, or that you're not a space that's shaming people. And we don't have to put other people down for that, but like we can, we can, we can be in different conversations and generate those. And I think they're really powerful. Yeah, I I, like as you're talking about this, I'm also realizing that this shame question goes almost a bit deeper where it's like we've we've been conditioned over like hundreds of years to see the body sort of as like this lesser thing, you know, like in Western culture. Yeah. And you like even I think a lot of spirituality practices they bring across this yeah. note and religion it's like beyond the body ascend the body yeah. the body is like this thing and it will like lead you down the path of destruction and you know it's an overly indulgent all the you know all these things but I personally I the deeper I've gone into my personal spirituality practices I realize no like the body is the sacred experience like this is the leading edge of creation like this is this is where like thoughts become things and you get to experience all the nuance the detail the differentiation and you know on that point of differentiation like what we're talking about when we're trying to learn to really appreciate our bodies like appreciate your differences you nobody here is created the same and we're not designed to be the same because that differentiation is such a beautiful part of what allows our lives to be so rich and that translates into our sexual experiences too you know i 
like I will say that like the differences in, in individuals and how their bodies move and how they express movement through their bodies, like none of the details of the stuff matter in terms of like the physicality. It, it's more that that physicality is an opportunity for that expression to come through in a whole new way. And I, and I would say that for me, that that's what I seek the most mm. personally in like my sexual experiences it's it's the quality of the experience it's like not the specific stuff but it's wanting to feel energy it's wanting to revel in somebody like getting lost in their energy or getting lost in mm-hmm. mine and and i have also noticed that um like some of the best experiences for me are like inherently all about celebration like where it's not it's not about again these details it's about just being in awe of like the person that's there and, and just like so like excited about the fact that they're there and like celebrating all the things that you appreciate about them you know there's the smell of their skin or you know like their smile their laughter like the rhythm of their breath you know it's 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 all these things and and when both people sink into that like that that's where like I find sex like isn't just like a physical thing. It, it's it's so much more, you know. And for me, it always has been so much more. It's why I'm um, uh, very discerning about like sort of who I let into my vortex in that area because I want I want it to not just be physical. I want it to be emotional, energetic, and in many ways spiritual as well. Totally, that's I think sex at its best for for many folks and some people won't choose to go there but other, yeah. a lot of people I think really really crave that and long that long for that and I love the notion of like sex being a celebration mm-hmm. because I feel like that's ultimately what it is it's like this incredible way that our bodies can can explore and like have all these hormones and like chemistry that goes on in the body to like create these experiences of ecstasy Mm. and like ecstasy is incredible and I want that for so many people to be able to like access those literal states of bliss Mm. because like when we have that we don't need anything else I mean yes okay we need a house we need food you know we know we need we need things but I think that there's like we become so satiated so fulfilled mm. it's like this is there's a completion there's like a there's a relief there's a joy there's like a sinking into like this is my human body and this feels so good and I'm so happy to be here yes and like we all need more of that right to like counter the work we need to do on this physical plane to help take care of each other better we like this is a resource this is like a renewable sustainable resource that we can create for ourselves solo and through many choices and actions with another person or people it is it is an amazing thing to play with and i wish more of us could could access this so that we can like really feel resourced by it because it's really a powerful force and energy that can like change things because like you do such a better job the next day in your life after oh, yeah. you've had like an amazing experience right you're like yeah. I have it all sorted and you like become a better person for the people in your life like it is a literal resource that mm. I, I really want to encourage people to like move towards Um, Because no matter where people are at now, like we can make choices and we can interact with this, with what's in the way for us and move closer and closer through small, simple acts and choices and habits that can cultivate like a stronger pathway towards more pleasure. And I know that with such certainty that like no matter where people are at, there's always more pleasure available and possible for people. And I really want people to know that because sometimes as we were talking about, people are in their own zone and they're like, that's just not for me, right? Like they might hear us be talking about this and this level of like pleasure that we know to be possible. And it's like, no, that is possible. Yes, there might be some things and some hurdles to get through to get there. But like that is also possible in your body because you are have a human body that uh, it is, this is possible. So I just want to encourage people if people are feeling like left out by this kind of conversation that like this can also be for you um that there is there are steps that you can take to like move closer to this because there are a lot of things that get in the way for a lot of people trauma like there's so much that gets in the way but like yeah I 
no matter where you are, that there can be more pleasure. And I want to encourage people to like see that for themselves and know that that's possible for them. It's just sort of like, un, like taking off those layers that are in the way, right? Totally. And, and there may be just a few, there may be many, but it's like entirely within your reach and something that can be done and many people have done it and are yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. So so it, if, if it's sparking the desire, like for me, this, this is also something I tune into. Like if I have a desire for it, it's because it's possible and it's real for me. Mm-hmm. And then like my my next steps are, you know, just attending to that desire as best as I can mm-hmm. and, and seeing what shows up for me and acknowledging some of the shadow and, and the fear and the doubt and finding people. And I love that you called this a resource. Um, mm-hmm. For me, that's like a game-changing word in and of itself um, mm-hmm. because it's typically not been seen that way. And I also love that you talk about pleasure so much. I mean, you've even named your offerings like under that umbrella. So um, one that's kind of like one thing I do want to make sure we get to today is the is the thought of pleasure and what ways we can cultivate pleasure Um in our day-to-day lives so that we have more access to that state of being uh, more fluidly and more readily. Totally, totally. I love that. I mean, I feel like pleasure practices are so valuable and important and like ways that we can practice this in small, small and intimidating ways. And one of the main skill sets that I think we can all cultivate is the like skill of receiving pleasure. Mm. Like we often think about like great sex and we think about like the amazing lover that's like doing all the cool sexy things and like, yes, that is great and important, but there is a whole other skill set in terms of like receiving pleasure. Mm. And that is something that we can practice like all through our days. Like if we are considering that the world is our lover, and we are you know really taking another moment to like soak in any pleasure that we are experiencing so like when we have our coffee cup that we're really like taking that moment and like feeling the heat and then also using our brain and looking around and feeling like this is where I'm located I'm safe right here I am like having a morning you know coffee like like, really taking the context of what that Mm. moment is as well as the physical sensations of the heat and then the sensory Mm. experience of the smell of the coffee I really love my morning coffee but like (laughs) (laughs) um I just think these ways of like really sinking into these moments is um, essential. There's this great um, Buddhist neuroscientist, Rick Hansen, and he talks about how um, the, how our brains are Teflon for the good and Velcro for the bad. Mm -hmm. And so we will remember all the bad things that happen, no problem, but we have to actually work harder to really appreciate the good things. Mm -hmm. And this is not a small thing. This is not just like a woo woo thing. This is like the science says it. So Um, I want people to take it in as like a small practice. We mm-hmm. went to, we did a, um, a Yale, a course at the Yale Center for Wellbeing. Mm-hmm. And their main, their first module was about savoring mm-hmm. and how it is like scientifically proven to like really create well-being. So I know we would, you were just talking about basking on social yeah. media and like we, we just talk about it as the art of savoring, but just like taking that moment and deeply appreciating and soaking in in all the ways the beauty and sensual pleasures of a moment. Mm. Yeah. I remember talking about this um, in like almost every group class I taught was especially that was like teaching like the movement practices that I facilitate that you can all find on Evolna and um, like the work I've developed of like using your body as, as the vehicle that, has all this wisdom and just learning how to tune in and like listen to those messages, receive those messages and act on them. I always told the story of like where I began my meditation practice. I, I did it the really intense route. I went through Dr. Joe Dispenza, which like his meditations are on average an hour. And I remember like for months, weeks, years sitting and like having my mind run all over the place and like having to pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. And then I would finally get to like the euphoria bliss state. And my next thought was, when is this over? And I remember recognizing that and being like, what? Like I, you, you just like you, you devoted this time. You've like all this 
all this focus to get to that place and you're there and you're already running off to go back to where you were. So for me, it was a really illuminating lesson and just like as much as I want to be happy, do I practice being happy? Do I exercise being happy? Do I allow myself to be happy? And the answer was a resounding no. And and so what you're talking about, like that it actually takes a little effort to be to be able to be in those happy states. We actually have to train ourselves. We have to cultivate that. I think that's such an important thing for people to hear to recognize and then to, you know, start applying the art of savoring, you know, or the the deliciousness of that, whatever you want to call it, but find time to do that as often as you can, you know, even if it's just for 30 seconds or a minute, that goes a long way in your present moment and in your future. Totally. And can we challenge ourselves to like find five or six of these moments a day to like, yes, you know, put them throughout the day, like go outside and stand and feel the sun on your skin. Like, especially in this time where so many of us are at home alone, like, you know, whatever the situation is, it's like finding small moments where we feel safe and we feel pleasure and we're okay. Like that is really important. And then, and then peppering them throughout the day and like feeling them, like it will change your chemistry. Like these things really do have a long-term impact as strange as that sounds, because they're such tiny moments. And then, of course, you can see the link really easily to like receiving pleasure in bed. Like if we are training our body to like really take another beat and like take another breath and sink into a moment and like feel and receive the pleasures of that simple mundane moment, then we see how we're training our body to like really receive pleasure more deeply when someone is giving us their time and attention and care and to like really receive that gift that that is. Um, it's like honoring to, to the gift that someone is offering us. So I think that it's a really simple practice that is unintimidating and can make a big difference. Mm. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I, I want to go so much deeper, but I think we're like hitting our, our time for today at least. But I mean, I would love to bring you back on and, and even possibly bring Chris on at some point. Um, and as we wrap things up here, Charlotte, I always like to open the door you know, for like any final Mm -hmm. thoughts or Mm -hmm. parting words of wisdom Mm -hmm. for our audience, if you have any you'd like to share. I know you shared so many already. Thank you. Yeah, I just want people to really know that whoever they are, whatever they are, that you probably are normal and that it, your desires are okay and they make sense and, and that there's more pleasure possible Mm -hmm. for you, no matter where you are, that there is always more. And there's stuff in the way. It can be a multi-year process, but just know that more pleasure is always possible and that like it's a it's a it's an adventure to go on that's lifelong. And there is no cap to the amount of pleasure that we can feel. And we have agency in in being able to explore a little bit, just like a little bit here and there to like open this up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I encourage people to open up that journey some more. Mm. Um, yes yes definitely and we'll be sure to like include links to like all of your stuff in the show notes below so if you guys are listening like i need me some of this we have that for you um but again charlotte thank you so much for taking the time to share with us like all your wisdom all your insights this has been such a beautiful conversation and um it's been so illuminating for me so thank you again Thank you. It's such a joy, such a joy to chat. And um, yes, and I know you said all the links, but if people want to come over to pleasuremechanics.com, we have like a whole free course, like the erotic essentials where like we can guide you through and happy to guide you in in your pleasure adventure. Um, (laughs) But yes, this has been a real joy, a real joy to chat. Oh, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Yes, Mm. totally. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. 
Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.